This is Dan Electric Ghost, and we're on the air. And I'll make sure I got your name. Is Narajan Nota? Is that the right way to say it? That's right. Okay, yes, great. you got it. <laughs> so you are um, with um, your 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 website right there, brightshininglight.com, and we're going to talk more about what you do. But um, just yes. before we do that, we do have a sponsor, uh, Newsly, and Newsly is a podcast app that basically takes video podcasts and converts them to audio, and they also take the news. So if you use coupon code GHOST, you get one month free premium subscription. We're going to be on Newsly within an hour after the broadcast is done. So we wanted to um, tell our, our uh, people about that. So um, one, this is the first time we've had you on the air. How, how are you doing tonight? Are you feeling okay? Are you having a good day? I'm doing I'm doing great. Yes. Thank you for having me on. It's it's quite a production to have it go live, I guess. But yeah, I'm excited to get into the conversation. So um just tell the audience kind of a, like your your um what makes you different from other spiritual teachers, like in what the what you do. So people maybe have a have have a a background in what is um you actually offer to to your um to people or clients that you work with i offer individuals to align with their soul to align with their soul on a deeper level and to expand their consciousness to a higher realm by connecting on an energetic level with the planet the plants and the tangible things that we have but also on a grander scale of connecting with other human beings and other people we might be in relationship with and have those relationships be much smoother, much easier, and in flow as they are really designed to be. So how do people come to find about your services? How do you get people to know about what you do? I do blog articles. I'm online. I'm through various social media sites, be it Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn. Um, so I'm on a number of different platforms. I actually have my own podcast too, which is called Master of Your Crafts. Okay. So I am out in the community from that standpoint, but I also host groups and individuals who are looking for more clarity in life and who are potentially overwhelmed with what life presents to them. So where are you actually located in the U.S.? Do you primarily operate out of that, like where you're physically uh, located in what state? I'm where actually located in Toronto, Canada. So I'm not oh, even wow. in the so U.S. I'm in Toronto, in the Canada. Mm -hmm. uh -huh. uh, but I operate from my computer. We have this beautiful thing called the Internet, which is connected us. And that's how I, how I do my sessions is all through online. So you have a global um, client? clientele is not just Canadian you're you, you go beyond Canada okay just lost your audio oh, oh did, can you hear me now I can hear you now there you go okay what I, the question I guess is, is do you have a global reach to either your client base or did it initially start in Canada or because it's on the net you reach the multiple countries I do reach multiple uh, countries, so I have clients in Britain and I have clients in the US as well as teetering clients on the other side of the globe, but that's a little bit more challenging purely because of the time zone difference. Um, yeah, but it's, I was wondering. It's, it is essentially um, all, it is global for sure. 
Yeah, because like I, I ended up starting to like interview people in Australia and Japan and I had yeah. to adjust my time. So yes. so is your 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 working hours to when you do this, do you adjust to like clients that if you had clients in Japan or the Middle East or other areas that are totally different time zones? Do you do you adjust? Do you say, Well, I want to just stay in my Canadian time zone? Well, I make it workable as best as I can because I do understand there's a need there. And my objective is to be of service to those who are seeking support and who are requiring a need. So if it means me augmenting and working in the evening a little bit here and there, then absolutely I will do that because how else can I serve these people, especially if they have reached out to me from a place mm -hmm. of pain and they're looking for a resolution and they know I can offer that for them. So. So how did you get to, yeah, how did you get into this type of work and what makes it different from other spiritual teachers or, or guides or like, like maybe shamans, you know, cause like I come from like a Native American background of a part Cherokee and Blackfoot Indian, Native indigenous tribe. And we have the understanding of like the medicine men and, and shaman type roles. But I was wondering like, how did you get into this type of um, therapy and work? Sometimes I I'm a great believer that sometimes we just know what we're here to do. And when we fall into it and it comes on our path, it fits so well and it activates so many parts of us that puts us in a space of, okay, this is what I'm here to do. And I got glimpses of that very early on. I was very fortunate to get glimpses of um that experiencing that witnessing not only for myself but the other people i would be engaging with seeing their aha seeing their awarenesses and the the peace but also the clarity that they would gain from the conversation and i just followed that process um, did it take me a while to get onto that process absolutely i'd spent probably a good part of 15 15 years in corporate, in for-profit and not-for-profit sectors. So I know what the world looks like on mm. a business level, very saturated in that space. But that allowed me to navigate through the tools that I use in my own day-to-day -day life and also the ones that I share with others, with my clients, of how to navigate this dense third-dimensional world that we live in is from the tools that I have learned innately but also learned from my journey of evolution and growth. So it's all a process of learning as we go, but also recognizing what's going to work where and finessing that. So it's a bite-sizable, doable, tangible piece for my clients and other people involved. Does that answer your question? So can maybe... Yeah, yeah, it, it, I understand you. So you you found a way to get into it. I, I think a, similar for art. I mean, for, I'm into the kind of creative space. I'm a producer, a musician, and the, we think of like the muse. We think of like the mm -hmm. universe brings things to us as musicians. Mm -hmm. We're like mm -hmm. channels for that. Mm -hmm. We can channel it. Yes. So I can understand empaths and you know spiritual leaders and people, spiritual guides have the same kind of thing. In my opinion, you, you, you maybe you, it's like a universal vibe you can come into we we talk about music music we talk about universal keys that mm -hmm. somehow musicians can tap into and we we can channel it and sometimes you don't know where it came from it just you picked up on it and so do yeah. you feel like in your yeah. work do you have like a spiritual key that you pick up on 
and you can feel maybe it's multiple keys, but you 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 feel like you you it's part of you. You like you born to do it in the same way. Yeah. Maybe musicians born to be a musician. Absolutely, absolutely, and that is the connection. I would say with a higher part of ourself, with an expanded version of consciousness that we have access to is what we ultimately end up tapping into when the physical and the mind part of who we are steps aside and allows this wisdom and allows this greater consciousness to flow through this physical meat suit, as I often say, to be the conduit, to allow that mm. channel to flow through. Um, so I, I do agree, and I think it is connecting with a higher source, a higher aspect of our soul, evolved soul, that puts us into that space. And there are many different layers of our soul that can enhance different parts of our lives. So whether you're doing um, a music piece and you're channeling the muse from that, or you're, doing, you're navigating a relationship that might be another component of your soul that can assist you and guide you in a relationship or another challenge that may show up. So it'll, there are other parts of us that will show up when we quest the support for that. So maybe for people who don't fully understand what a spiritual guide is, can you mm -hmm. kind of give people like a, like a, like a, maybe a your 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 own vision of what you do so people understand can kind of relate to it absolutely essentially i support individuals to navigate this thing called life i'm a great believer that every single thing that happens to us happens for a reason there's a reason why certain people show up in our lives there's a reason why we have the family the siblings the children that we do have and all of that is really navigated and instigated for the evolution of our soul and the evolution of the planet. And it's our responsibility to be able to bring those two worlds together in human form. So my role is to align each individual with their soul and present them with a different perspective of how to look at what we would say in, in life is a challenge that they are feeling in life. Overwhelm, um, lack of confidence, unfulfilled, um, lost in this world, or whatever that may be presented. And I would present that as an opportunity for you to clear the clutter of life so you can then be more aligned with something greater and allow that wisdom that flow as you talked about earlier to come through you with much more ease and much more grace i'm a buddhist and so i believe in um the law of cause and effect and, and karma in, in a way i practice nishra nishra and daishonin buddhism mm -hmm. and one question I, I was looking through your information and um, you're talking to dive into core into karmic issues. And one of the things that, um, that we've always believed, well, I believe in my practice, we believe that sometimes your karma is is, is like is, you're actually living like the, your karma of your whole family, of your whole generational yes. line. And I don't know if you believe in that that level of, of, of karmic connection. Is the karma, the, the, 
people deal with, do you believe that karmic issues can be part of a whole like generational line or is it the individual? Intergenerational karma, intergenerational trauma, which is um, an element of karma, is real. And for each of us who are witnessing it, it's our responsibility to clear it. So you would clear it not only for yourself, for your own soul evolution, but you also have the fortunate opportunity to clear it for your entire family. So often karma is positioned as a negative aspect of life. But there's also a positive aspect to karma as well. So the country that we live in, the accessibility to the tools and equipment and clean water and all those pieces that we have access to are perhaps elements of our good karma. Yeah, true. So yeah, we a lot need of times to look like, at yeah. both components of that. Sorry. Yeah, because the position you're in, you know, at least in our practice, is sometimes the position you're in, you're kind of because it's kind of not that predetermined, but you're you're dealing with a karmic history that why you might be where you are is because of that karmic history. And some people don't don't like that idea because then okay. it's like, well, how am I going to change that if I had nothing? I I didn't actually have a hand in it. It was my forefathers or, you know, like, how, how do I, how do I handle that? Um, and there's still things that you can do, like the law of cause and effect. Like if you go forward with positive energy, then you could mm -hmm. get positive return because of the law of cause and effect, if you believe in that. But so I'm wondering like, so how, how do you go about solving that, that like a karmic issue that could be a anxiety, depression, self-esteem, fear, mm -hmm. all those different mm -hmm. types of things. Um, fear seems to be a big thing. A lot of those um, situations. I was just wondering how 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 you go about handling each one of those, or you take them on one at a time. We take them on one at a time because doing them all at once it can take a lifetime or even a few lifetimes to go to overcome them. So, one at a time is way more manageable and doable potentially. Uh, see, being able to see the results in certain principles and tools that I use to be able to take on some of the heavy emotions that show up like fear and anxiety. They'll show up for us to ultimately put us in a place of self-acceptance and self-love. But this isn't new of what we've heard. I mean, every spiritualist and uh, maybe astrologist or Buddhism or whatever, um, element you want to use esoteric principles they're all saying the same is how can you deepen the element of your self-love and awareness but perhaps my additional layer to that is the reason why you would embody those components of self-love is for your own soul's evolution and the expansion and the clearing of all the the fear and the lack of self-love that has been passed down from generations to generations, which is presented you the opportunity to clear it today. So somebody going through a process of anxiety and it's showing up in real form in your own life would have shown up in your ancestors, obviously in different surroundings and in different environments and different scenarios, but the crux 
of that emotion would have been highlighted very significantly, which is why it's been passed down because it wasn't healed from their component. So one of the questions I had is like, when you work, um, does it, does it a few, how does it change you as a person? Once you work as through some of the emotions, it... once you work through mm -hmm. some of the heavy emotions that we all feel and that we're all faced with on a day-to-day -day basis, because that's the world that we live in. And essentially that's part of our role as human beings having life on this planet. It's almost like clearing the clutter. When we create a space of stillness and we go into a space of perhaps minimalistic living, there's less influences for our attention. There's less um, conflict for what we do on a day-to-day -day basis and how we move through the world. Our emotions and our experiences are reflected in the same way. When we're able to manage our own emotion of anxiety, fear, abandonment, lack of self-esteem, lack of love, when we can manage those and accept them on a deeper level as part of our soul's journey, it clears the clutter in our energy body field. But when we resist it, it continues to compound the clutter in our own mental thinking. So therefore, the relationships that we have outside of ourselves with others, it compounds it. And it creates more friction. Mm. So I guess I'm wondering, like, from a, like, a, like, if you go to a psychiatrist and a psychologist, I've heard, like, sometimes psychiatrists have to have their own psychiatrist mm -hmm. because they're dealing with yes. so much trauma. So I'm wondering, how do you, like, unload, if you're dealing with a lot of people's emotional trauma and you're getting all that coming through you and you're helping right. people, but you're getting affected by that as well, do, what's your coping mechanism? Do you have a spiritual guide that you go to to kind of, unburden yourself from that or you found other mechanisms to do that one of the biggest reasons why i got into this space was i can recognize that i don't you have to go through your own healing journey first in order to be a positive um, support um, polarity is a terminology that i use for some to balance somebody out out of their pain, you have to have gone through your own first and healed it. And I'm a true believer and I've seen it and I've done it for many years for the past 20 years is going through my own journey of healing. In order for me to be a fully clear vessel to support others in theirs. And when I support others in their journey of healing, I don't take it on. Mm. I act as a conduit to allow okay. that energy to be channeled through me, which is what I teach individuals to do for themselves. When I have my clients, I'm empowering them to do that for them. It's not I'm going to be here to dump my stuff onto you. It's okay. these are the tools. This is how you use energy, and this is how to do it for you. Okay, that so is, is a, I think, the differentiator. 
Yeah, it's a, diff a totally different concept than what maybe psychologists and psych psychiatry has, because sometimes they, they actually do have to have a way to, you know, yes. uh, unbound themselves from that. But if you're dealing with the concept of energy and learn how to pa have it pass through, it's like, it's like the emotional, like judo, <laughs> it's like you're learning how like not to, to get it, get it so that you can you know, like react to it in a very positive way where you're not taking it on. You actually are able to kind of deflect it in a, in a, in a positive way. That's not, not going to hurt you, but actually that's you can still help people. And, and that takes some practice, right? It's not something that happens overnight. Um, because we are human beings, we are empathic and emotional beings that we want to help people. When we see people in strife, we want to we want to support them. And as empaths, it's how do I pull that out of them? But really, that's not the role of an empath. It's beyond that. But it's having the right understanding. It's having the right mechanism and the tools to be able to get out of the way and allow the energy to do what it's supposed to do. But that in itself is a big learning curve for us how to do it but one thing that i do want to highlight is we often believe that we've let go of stuff and we've sent it to wherever and it's gone or i'm not thinking about that any thought anymore contrary to or should i say in alignment to psychiatrists and psychologists and all of those professions they do an amazing job for those people who are ready to receive it however they only operate from the mind. So they only operate from here. And the work mm. that I do, I take it on a deeper level. So now I'm engaging with the heart. Now I'm engaging with the energy, with something beyond the mind. And that's where often people can get stuck, which is why that domino effect of depression and anxiety and things can really can really take a downward spiral. And when yeah, you too much in the calibrate the mind yeah. and the heart, it's a very different process of healing. Yeah, it's kind of like process. I think in terms of like musicians, we we tend to deal with the heart space, right? Like there, there yes. music is somewhat mathematical, right? So there Absolutely. is some head space to it, but a lot of it is heart and spirit. So yes. a lot of things that so you you can get caught up in the technical aspects of it, and then you can get you know really caught in the weeds. I've tended to try to let the universe tell me what I'm going to do. I kind of don't come in with a plan. I just do it. And I feel like yeah. Yeah. a lot of times I've, I've run into other musicians and they're too into the nitty gritty of it. And I'm like, why can't you just feel it? Right. Why can't you have like the idea of soul, like soul music? Why yes. is it soul music? Cause we kind of, I can go with a, with a bunch of jazz guys and soul guys and we can just get together and we don't even talk. We can actually just look at each other and we kind of know what to do. And then mm -hmm. other people are like, oh, what's the chord chart? What's the key? And like, I don't got to tell you that. When I'm with the soul band, like, I don't have to say that. They just know. And it is, right. it, right. it, it's a different type of feeling. It's kind of like this idea that, that we're all feeling this soul, we're feeling that heart. And I, I kind of, I think I can kind of equate that with what maybe you're doing with the energy because it's, I feel that's energy too. It's a, it's a different absolutely, type absolutely. of energy. But It is. And, and it's beautiful, yeah, it's beautiful, beautiful when it language. translates from your perspective like that, of it coming out from a synergistic way of communicating with your own peers. And it is an energy and the vibrational frequency of the note in itself will dictate to 
the feeling that you're alluding to or that you're teasing out in creating um, some music. Um, because all of those are going to equate to emotions that you're going to want to trigger in the listener, but also triggered in yourself, which then gets translated into a tangible piece called music. So it's, we're talking the same language, but perhaps just a different instrument, if you will. Yeah, I think it's a lot of people that get, well, I, I always like to like it when I can actually, I meet a musician and I, and it, there's no words, right? We, we just vibe. And mm -hmm. somehow we just know what to do. Like you can sit with a drummer and they just know what to play. I don't even have to tell them. I just play something on my keyboard or on the guitar and they automatically know what goes with it. I don't got to go and dictate to them, oh, do this, do this, do this. It, it right. just, it seems like there's this automatic recognition. It's like, oh, I know what goes with that. I know, I know, I kind of feel it and I know yes. what to do. And that unspoken language is worth so much to like a lot of artists when, when you find the people who automatically get you without having to verbally tell them. It is like unbelievably cool. <laughs> it's such a yeah. it's such a rewarding feeling because it feels like you've caught into that vibe, that frequency. You've actually right. have other people and they're not, it's like telepathic. You don't even have to mm -hmm. say it. And mm -hmm. you know, people say, well, you should talk. Yeah, you should talk. But sometimes there's some things that are unsaid that are really beautiful. And I think that that's why I try to connect with it. It seems like in your practice as a spiritual leader you kind of have to you have to kind of feel your way through yes. it and then know what to what to do right and it, maybe it's like it's like stream of consciousness <laughs> that's right that's it right. is it is and, and that's exactly what you guys are doing when you get into a room you're operating from an element of consciousness a dimension of a frequency which aligns you all and i'm on a on a more third dimensional realm we've all seen it where you wake up and you have a bad day and all of a sudden every single person you meet is also having a bad day <laughs> and that's yeah. again connecting to that same consciousness that same vibrational frequency but it's just showing you a different level of it so when you're in the studio or when you're jamming with other people they're all in the same place and I do a similar thing too of when I bring my clients in, I'm elevating their consciousness. I'm elevating their awareness so we can be in a more synergistic way and support them so they're not getting caught in all the clutter and they can see the clutter for what it is and clear it. So one, one of the things I always wonder is like the, the discordance, like how do you deal, like in music, like we, we know when we hit the wrong note, it's like discordant. Like we, and sometimes we actually go toward the discord. There's yeah. some types yeah. of music that we're, if we're in the fusion and free jazz, we will actually yeah. go discordant because it's a little bit of cacophony is actually part right. of the whole thing, right? And it's right. actually good. Right. And and yeah. in our yeah. in that type of form of music, you can actually go with it and it's okay. Other mm -hmm. types of forms of music, well, you can't have that. So you have to get rid of all the discordance. You can't have it at all. Everything's right. got to be really right. tight. And so. I, I've always been kind of like like a little bit of discordance, like a little bit of chaos, and then be able to come back to something more controlled. Um, so it, I guess in your practice, how do you deal with people who are in that kind of discordant space and get them to a more har harmony? Perhaps I'm more of in the space of there's got to be more harmony. The discordant parts of that show up in life 
be a conversation with somebody or you just heard some news that you don't like and it's triggered an emotion in you, that is a discordance from your definition. But that is also an opportunity to say it's a challenge, but what can I learn from it and who needs to heal from it? Because it wouldn't have showed up on my radar if it wasn't a discordant within my soul evolution, mm. within my part of life lesson. There wouldn't have been a match. So just as you're in a room with your people, there's a match there, there's a synergy there, there's a flow there that organically happens. And that is what I feel every single client and every single body should have access to, is that flow. So that discordant that shows up shows up as as a flag to say how can i heal this what is the opportunity am i being tested and if i'm being tested how can i overcome it and win this test to clear more clutter from my life so in your practice do you review people's dreams as like um like as the world or the, the universe trying to tell people things because sometimes things come to you in a dream and there's a lot of analysis of dreams and all kinds of therapy. Yes. But I was wondering yes. in your, your therapy in, 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 in as a spiritual, like, um, how does that come to play? Do you do dream analysis or is that, is that part of it? There's many different components that I do bring into practice. So I bring components of astrology, astronomy, um, some sort of um, personality testing to to paint a broader picture of who this soul is for people to, for clients to understand themselves on a deeper level. So I use all those facets and dream analysis is a big portion of that. So the young, young therapy, the Freud therapy, all of those components, I, I look into it, but really lean into the intuitive space. What is my own intuition? telling me about that component of my dream and how much of that is influenced from what actually really happened in real life yesterday and how much of that is really a bigger message from my higher self. So to be able to sift out what, what it is and what's the message, the, those are dialogues that we have had with clients, absolutely. Is there any use of like spirit animals in, in your type of analysis, like at least in Native American culture, there's a lot of, you know, the eagles and, and, and a lot of different animals, deer, you know, almost every animal within Cherokee or Blackfoot mm -hmm. um, legacy, there's, there's a spirit animal that represents something. And if it actually shows up in front of you, it actually means something at the point that it does. It's like the universe Absolutely. is telling you something. Yeah. So is, there, is there any type of analysis like that? I don't go into that much depth on it because I think, as I might have said earlier on the call, I'm a true believer that every single thing happens for a reason. So whether it be um, a winged animal that comes along or a four-legged animal or a conversation that you're having with somebody that provokes a thought, every single type of synergistic energy or awareness of something that comes into our awareness comes in for a reason. And it's up to me to unravel it. So whether it be I'm driving along and I see 
I hear a song on the radio. But that song took me back to when I was 16 years old. There's a reason why that song came on and it took me back to when I was 16. I've got to unravel that now. Not look at it as, oh, it was just a coincidence. No, no, no. There's bigger, bigger signs and greater powers at play for us to to unravel some of these messages. Yeah, I mean, in our Buddhist belief, we, you know, when things happen, they, they we believe they happen. Like if somebody shows up in front of you, some event happens, like there's like these different and it, it is related to energy. Like it's like there's these energy type of things that happen, whether it's positive or negative or kind of like indeterminate. There's always some mm-hmm. level of something, and whether, whether yeah. it's like telling you that something you know great is going to happen, or it's a foreboding, or like oh, what was this? What does this sign mean? Why? Why is this happening? And you do try to try to figure out like okay, why? You know, why did this eagle come down and and grab a dove in front of me? Like that's actually something that happened to me when I was a kid. I was really? like 17 wow. and an eagle came down in my yard and grabbed a dove and took it. And wow. I kind of looked at it from my Native American background. It's like, that's actually like ending of innocence. It's like, it was like, mm-hmm. it was like a symbolic of like a change in innocence level that something was going on. And there was something that's actually true. happening. And then this animal went and did this in front of me at the same time that was happening. And I was like, wow, mm. that was very, I kind of read it as the things that were happening, I said, well, that kind of confirms the things that are happening. <laughs> but um, yeah, yeah just you know, like, you, to be in tune with that, you know, was interesting. Can you just oh, repeat that? I just lost you there. Oh, oh, what I'm saying is like to be in tune with that moment of, of, of mm-hmm. the ego coming down and, and actually taking a dove in front of me. Yes. It's like yes. very symbolic within, you know, indigenous culture, like what that can mean. Multiple, right. like, um, you know, practices could interpret what that means, but Absolutely. you know, from the Cherokee or Blackfoot point of view, you could interpret what that means. But I, yeah. I saw it as as wow, yeah, that's like that's... life showing me something in real time. <laughs> and it's pretty profound that you got to witness it. So to me, I don't know as in depth detail in terms of the Cherokee or the Blackfoot um, symbolism. I'm not as in depth about it but to me the bigger message and the bigger sign is that you got to witness it and you got to feel into your own energy body what does that mean for you yes we can recognize that other people can tell us this is what it means but we have to use our own discernment whether that's true for us yeah and I I that is often the challenge in peace yeah, at the time there was some things going on where I was kind of, you know, 17 and I was moving from one phase to another in my kind of adolescence and growing up. And there was some serious things going on. And it felt like it was like a change of the age of innocence to an age of experience. Like, like a Blakeian idea. Like William Blake, yeah. you have the songs of innocence, the songs yeah. of experience. I was a very much into that. I was reading mm-hmm. a lot of Victorian poetry. I love William Blake. And the way I, at the time I was like, I was reading the songs of innocence and experience. And then that thing happened. And so I was kind of framing it from what I've been reading, but also knowing about Cherokee history from my great grandmother. And I'm like, oh, um, I can interpret it with what she's saying too. But I felt my own truth of what was going on inside. And I took my own kind of feel for what it was. But I think it's like some people could just look at that and say, oh, and not connected to themselves at all. 
mm-hmm. and you know just think it's an outside event and i think that yeah. maybe that's a different way to, to have so like a spiritual leader might tell you to maybe look at it differently yeah and and that seems like a very profound process um experience should i say to to be able to witness so one obviously very jarring and one that's locked into your memory for you be for you to be able to share today but even the day-to-day conversations and interactions we have can also be pretty profound but it's the emphasis that we put on it mm-hmm. is what it's telling right? yeah i guess it doesn't have to be like it. it doesn't have to be a crucible moment it doesn't have to be as extreme as what that happened it, it can be a like a something that you don't think is that important it's like a micro level event but like yeah. you said every, every input that you get as a, as a person on this planet yeah. You, you should try to, you know, one of the feelings is that, like the idea is you listen to Gaia, you, like you listen to the planet, you listen to everything around you, you don't just ignore it, right? And yes. then then little things actually have more meaning, things that you yes. maybe would have passed over and not think mean anything at all. Absolutely. You start adding up. <laughs> Absolutely. But it's it's us to sharpen our listening, right? We've got so much clutter. There's so much noise out there that doesn't allow us to really listen to the crunch of the leaves when we walk on them, to hear the ripples in the water or to hear what Gaia Mother Earth really has to whisper for us. Because there's too many distractions. Yeah, it's like if you go for a walk in the woods and then you have your AirPods on. Mm-hmm. Like my whole point being you know is that i go for a walk in the woods i don't have anything in my ears i'm not listening i turn my phone off i don't have a headphone on i'm actually i want to hear you know the brook i want to i want to hear the wind i want to experience what the woods is i don't want to just have a soundtrack going on in my head that's nice if you're a jogger Mm -hmm. but i Mm -hmm. think sometimes we have so many things today that disconnect Mm -hmm. us from the, the world on purpose to kind of not so we don't have to pay attention and i think that maybe might be a problem (laughs) i think it's a huge problem it's a huge problem that this constant stimulation of the outside world it's it's addictive and it 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 cannot it can be far so much further from the truth of what it is really begging for us to do the opportunity for us to go inwards and listen inwards is far greater than all this noise. So if we look at it from a place of contrast, as loud as all this external clutter is, new music here, new streaming device here, new show here, new episodes, new movie, all this external stuff, as loud as that is, our internal piece of who we are is equally begging for our attention. Because yeah, we've got to create a balance, right? Yeah, I mean, that's part of the thing why I like, med- like Tai Chi and meditation, where you just try to go inward and just, you know, breathing exercises. Because I lived in Japan for two years. Nice. And, and, and living in Tokyo from 2004 to 2006, it gave me a totally different point of view compared to an American point of view. I've never been and an Eastern culture. And then I was uh, totally enveloped in, in my day job. I had to be in it. And wow. and it, it was 
radically different than anything I had to deal with. I had to deal with a concept in business where they had zero defect mentality. Mm. Where any defect is is not is just as high as like a zero is just as bad as a 10. And so wow. in that mentality is a totally different business concept than American business concept. And mm -hmm. and it, a lot of the American business guys were having a really hard time with it. But I immediately say, well, that's that's the way they see it. So right. why shouldn't we accept it? Because that's what we're we're here. This is where we right. are. This is what they believe. But they mm -hmm. had a bunch of other Americans who were like, well, we got to get them to believe the way we think. And I'm like, why? Uh -huh. right. <laughs> we're in this market. We're trying to sell in this market. This is what they believe. This is how they do business. If they make mm -hmm. a mistake, they go and invite people to a coliseum and the chairman bows and apologizes. Mm -hmm. Do American guys do that? No, no. They, they do that. And so it's, a, it's like when you're in a, that kind of world, I said, why not take on those things? Because this is the market we're in. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I got a lot of resistance. You say, because the people in American guys were like, oh, we got to come to think our way. Okay. I say, I got a lot of resistance from the business people who were just saying, well, let's just make this, this, this operation operate like they, they do in, in Connecticut. Mm. But we weren't in Connecticut. We were in Tokyo, Japan. <laughs> right, right. And I think that's that's the big shift in, especially in the business world of wanting for it to work in a different way that is based on the culture. So the culture in Japan is very different operationally and perhaps maybe more sensitive to people. Whereas perhaps some of the cultures in America, North America, the Western world of living is less about the people, but more about the doing. Yeah, it was more about like a top-down management perspective and, and maybe not respecting the culture that you're in. Like you're in a multinational company and you're in different zones, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but your attitude is the American zone is how everything should be. And, and sometimes like maybe that's not the right way to do things. <laughs> right. At least my perspective was like, if we're in these different zones, maybe we should be culturally sensitive to the zones that we're in. Mm -hmm. And not mm -hmm. try to dictate from the top down that that's the only way. Because I've right. been a very expansive type of person in my music. I like to be very expansive. I don't want to be caught in any lane. I like to be like, you know, bring Eastern mm -hmm. ideas, being Western ideas, uh, you know, mix things up between yeah. jazz and rock or hip-hop and spoken word i like to not be pinned down and I, I i hate it when somebody tries to say well you should just stay in this and like why why should i stay in one lane because like i don't i don't think that way i kind of go all over the place so what's wrong with actually expressing myself in that true form mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but it's also about creating balance right so talking a little bit about energy and the different types of energy that we had mentioned. So there's a masculine energy and there's a feminine energy. The masculine energy, both energies we all carry. I don't, I really don't care what gender you identify as, you have both mm -hmm. components. So yeah. the masculine is very action-oriented and action-focused and very strategic in that standpoint. The feminine is more nurturing, more compassionate and more loving. So what I'm hearing from you is your experience in Japan is more balanced, 
because there is a more compassionate, there is a more considerate component to who you are as an employee, as a client, and how we are operating as a business. So there is that softer nurturing component, whereas perhaps in America, North America, it's more action, very masculine driven. Just mm. action, do, don't think, don't feel, just do. Which I think in itself is proving the imbalance in showing how, how, business, how businesses have been run and operated and the longevity of that business and how that shift is happening. The tipping point has already taken place of how employee engagement is, is to, to be changed, to have more empathy in the workplace, to have more compassion, to not look at your employees as they're just a number. So looking at that from a more balanced perspective, I think is really interesting to see it in very many different parts of the world. So, yeah. Well, one of the things I actually had a, I yesterday when they were talking about, they were like a spiritual advisor as well. And they were talking about like feminine and male energy in terms of like receiver and giver okay. concepts. And, and they were also talking about like energy and being able to balance energy. So it seems to be a common kind of theme. And in, yeah. in my music, I pointed out that one of the things I did early in my career is I created, I, I went into myself and I found like a feminine side of myself and I named her mm -hmm. Josephine Electric. And she's like a fictional character I created as part of my mm -hmm. music. And nice. I used electronic devices to actually create her and, and actually do her voice and pitch my voice up to actually do that character be able to do some work I had done that was based on a more sensitive type of character that actually needed to be female. And nice. so when I voice her songs, I'm actually in a female voice doing her songs. And, and it, it kind of got me into this business because I, I suddenly went from a couple thousand people listening to like 70,000 people listening when wow. I introduced the idea of Josephine. And then the wow. whole idea of Family Electric Ghost was when I presented this, I presented it as a ghost. So right. I didn't dress up like Josephine. I dressed up like a phantom and I had a phantom outfit. And when the female voice came out, I had a phantom mask. And so sometimes there'll be a male voice coming out and, and a female ghost coming out when I play in New York or Boston, but you couldn't tell if I was male or female because my right. idea was I didn't want to get into the idea of being gender bending. I wanted it to be a ghost and then the ghost to be male or female any point in time in the performance and so then i was able to do something i always wanted to do and it, and it worked and even to this day it still works and uh it was just a way for me to be able to express that feminine side of myself in, in a way that i felt comfortable and then actually seemed to get the audience to understand it which i, I didn't know if they would <laughs> mm -hmm. but, uh, but that's what i'm trying you. to say it's like, yeah, it's, it's, I think it's in line with what you're saying because I kind of, I think I found that I had this female and yeah. male inside of myself and yeah. it was maybe always there. And then I found a way to be more direct about it. But I was still right. indirect because I had a fan of the mask. <laughs> right, right. But that's such a beautiful analogy. It's a beautiful way for you to um, contextualize that and put it into fruition. So well done to you. Um, but I'm also makes me a little more curious to see what the real part of you looks like and how you're exhibiting 
exhibiting some of the more feminine qualities or some of the more softer qualities in who you are and in balance with some of the more masculine qualities of who you are and how we all sift through them every single day. It's, it's a natural part of who we are. So to welcome it. So good for you for doing that. Yeah. Yeah, I was never sure how it was going to get taken. I, mean, I actually did a show and I was actually part of like a hip hop collective that I didn't know how they were really going to take it. And mm -hmm. uh, I was very surprised that, that I found that a lot of the people that I thought were going to be like really against it were, wow. were wearing a mask. They were very overly masculine. But when they wow. actually saw me, they actually talked to me and they didn't feel threatened and they didn't act the way I they didn't act the way I thought they would act. They, I, I found that they're, oh, sorry. Can you hear me? I can. Yeah. What I'm saying is like, I was on a, a lot of people that were overly masculine. They're kind of mm -hmm. super macho. And I right. thought they would not react well to the idea of a Josephine electric. Mm. And I was very shocked that they had this very macho image, but that actually was a mask that their yeah. macho stage image was not really them either in the same way josephine was maybe a different version of myself that right. the image they had on stage wasn't exactly them and so they mm -hmm. actually didn't di didn't have a problem with me and i and i was like wow there's like people wear masks all the time oh and you God. don't really know if that person is really who they're presenting because it's, yeah. it's part of their their act it's part of the act that we've all been perhaps I want to say indoctrinated, but that sounds a really aggressive word that we've been um, taught to, to wear. So regardless of what gender you identify in or how you move through the world or what you do in life, there's an element of mask that has been taught for us to wear, which in my version is part of the clutter that it's time to let go of because being your authentic self and being in synergy with your soul, I think now is the time. It's It's been a long time coming, but I think it's up to the bravery of each individual to really step into it. So I'm glad you have done what you have done to allow people to witness and experience their other versions or another a removal of the mask, even if it's on a temporary level, for them to truly feel who they are. So, well done for you. But I think it's really important to kind of dive into yourself. And being a songwriter is kind of like what we do is we try to take, we take a lot of pain that we deal with, with a lot of emotional events. And I think yes, the key yes. of being a creator, being an actor, being a painter, being a musician, is we take those really impactful moments and we turn them into art yes. and it seemed to be you know that a lot of times things that are painful make the best art and you're like okay why do you have to be in pain to make really good art but it yeah. it, it tends to be a self-fulfilling thing I mean, you can be happy and create really good funk you can create really nice sure. dance track you so you don't necessarily have to be in pain all the time mm -hmm. but mm -hmm. but there's some some songs that are very impactful to a lot of people do come from being able to recall that and then turn it into something positive. Right. And I think it's like if, if maybe some people who don't have the ability to take a negative energy and do something creative with it to kind of have a cathartic moment 
Is that something you try to teach people? Because I think creatives, we 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 kind of do that every day with our art. But if you're not yes, a creative, yes. how do you take that negative thing and make it, you know, be more cathartic? Um, through journaling, through spending time in nature and being outside, essentially getting out of the mind. Because it's the mind that can take it on a tailspin of overthinking, overanalyzing, overdoing a whole bunch of stuff that we shouldn't be doing. And moving that into a creative outlet, be it journaling, be it coloring, be it painting, doing something that's there's no judgment of what the outcome is going to be, but allowing that expression to take form through you as a conduit. So for you, it's music. For others, it might be painting. For some, it might be dance. For some, it might be cooking or baking. So finding another way to express it in a more creative way, I think, is crucial. Because when we get it, if we don't do it, it can get stuck in our mind and go on a loop. And that's mm -hmm. not serving for anybody, for you as an individual, and definitely not the people around you. Because that's when like human beings will get into addictive or destructive behaviors because mm -hmm. they get into that loop and then yes. they try to resolve it with a non-positive action, you know, yes. or something that's self-destructive or not not healthy. So right. do you have to, in your practice, do you try to, you know, deal with people who are at that state and try to get them on a better path? Absolutely. Yes. I've had a number of clients who suffered from depression or um, heightened anxiety, um, ADHD, and different labels, if you will, that we want to, that we have learned to justify in our world. It's ultimately about being able to transform the energy. So transform the, the destructive piece into a positive attribute. And how do I go about doing that is through awareness, is through taking, taking a step back and observing it and not necessarily engaging in it, but observing it. And in the observing in itself, you're allowed to transform it because energy never dies. We know that. Mm -hmm. We just have the capability of transforming it. So why support individuals how to transform it? Just as your same analogy of a discourse in a harmony, how do I shift that so it becomes in harmony? I do that with emotions. So emotion, a heavy emotion is showing up, a guilt, a shame. Okay, so why is that showing up and how can we put in a place of love and compassion what needs to happen from that space in between and that's part of the process and the journey that i take individuals on to take control of their emotions and clear the clutter i think is the biggest bigger words that are coming to me right now that i'm feeling that might resonate the bright shining light how did you come about with that term it was actually a channeled, it, it was a channeled word that came in. I was working on a contract with a business that I used to do strategic planning and event management for, and I'm sitting at my desk and all of a sudden these three words flew into my head. And I was like, okay, I like these. I better 
save the URL for it. I didn't know what I was going to do with it because I was heavily into the corporate world at that point. Mm. And I had no idea. I was nudging into more of the spiritual world a little bit more on a part-time basis on a personal level. So I banked it. And before I knew it, within five years, my life changed upside down pretty much. And that's when I knew this was this is why it came into my awareness for me to do something with. Nothing yeah, happens by accident, right? Yeah, I mean, I've been doing music since okay, I was sorry, seven. I can't hear you. Sorry, can you hear me again? Can you hear me? All right. Do you hear me now? I do. Yes. Okay. Um, what the idea of like my phantom electric ghost concept and my um, expansive sound all came in like 2016, and I've been a musician for like 17 years. And mm. uh, I came up with the idea of phantom electric ghost. It was the kind of idea like ghost in the machine, like the idea that I deal with synthesizers. And the music is created from electricity. And we actually manipulate right. the electricity and the sound waves. And I actually do sound design. Part yes. of my music is I actually take waveforms and make sounds from waveforms like triangle waves, sine waves, all those Beautiful. waves I actually use to create tones. Nice. And all my instruments are, you know, have a lot in common with the human being. We have electricity going through us. These machines have electricity. And there was a they, one of the guys who built my machines is a Dr. Moog. And when he was asked about his synthesizers, he said that he felt like they had consciousness because mm -hmm. they are analog, they're, they were hand built, they, they were transistor, mm -hmm. and they had a lot mm -hmm. of electricity flowing through them. And he, each one, he said, had a character and an mm -hmm. essence that is, is somewhat organic, even though it's a machine. And yes. I was always very awestruck by the fact that this doctor who created this machine yes. felt like it was connected spiritually and like through this electricity. And it was very, very powerful to me why I got into synthesizers. And I have a lot of his sense, Dr. Moe's sense, and because it, they feel when I use them that they do have yeah. like their own mind. They feel like they have their own mind. They feel like they have their own consciousness. If you can, you can hear me, maybe I lost again. <clears throat> Maybe yeah, your headphones. Yeah. Uh, what I'm saying is like they, they, these synthesizers feel like they have their own spirit, their own soul, their yes. own mind. And I kind of let them tell me what I'm going to do. Good I don't try to control them as much as they, they feed things to me and then I go with what they give me. And uh, what a beautiful gift. What a beautiful gift that you have to be in dialogue with them and recognize them as an aspect of consciousness, because ultimately they are, be it a plan or be a food source, there is consciousness behind it, but you working with it on a much synergistic level allows, allows their awareness to flow through you, which no doubt expands your purpose and your enjoyment possibly of working with those instruments too. So that's beautiful. And and I have don't I have no doubts that there is an element of consciousness that is streaming through them in every single node, in every single version of um of that of that device in itself. So I, I'd be curious to for you to do perhaps an experiment with other aspects of it. Um 
um, the sacred geometry components, so the notes and the tones that are connected to that, what kind of sounds would that come into fruition with? So yeah, there's a whole slew of other questions that flowed into my mind to ask you actually. Yeah, I mean, I actually, <clears throat> I had dealt with a synthesis that actually connects her synthesis to plants. She actually yeah. takes like transponders and actually connects to plants and mushrooms and lets the, yeah. those, those, those plants actually send her signals exactly. and then use it. And she uses it in her work. She actually, you know, connects yeah. it to organic material to use in her work. And, and I was like, wow, that, that is like, I, I think she's feeling the same things I'm feeling, but she took yes. it to actually connect with nature directly. <laughs> Beautiful. Yeah, and I have actually seen a lot of devices out there that do that, which is beautiful. But to it just awes me of how we can use technology for such a positive connection with nature and a different element of consciousness. Um, I'm floored at some of the devices and mechanisms that people actually do use. So it's powerful stuff. It's really powerful stuff. So. So, so I just wanted to let people know we did reach our hour mark. And so like, it, it, these sessions usually go in a way that I kind of do a stream of consciousness, kind of just a conversational type of um, program. So I do want to thank you again for being on the program. And I want to encourage people to go to your website. Are there any other things in terms of how to reach you? Is everything at that website or is there another more information people need to be told? Well, it's really at the website, um, social media platforms, Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn can be connected there either under Bright Shining Light or Naranjanota. And I'd encourage you if you're oscillating or contemplating on delving further is I do offer a free 30 minute consult and we can unravel and see where you're at and support you that way. But thank you so much for having me on your show. Thank you. Well, I think it's very positive. I try to bring my audience, like we branched out into not just talking music. We started yeah. in 2016 in that way, but we've wanted to bring in other people and actually talk to other points of view that are not just about mm -hmm. music. But Oh, again, sorry. Yeah. Can you hear me? We've yeah. made a, a choice to kind of expand what we talk about to mm -hmm. include, normally we just talk to musicians or other producers but we've been trying to bring in other people and other points of view that, sure. you know, some people would say, well, how does that fit? But I believe that like it, it's expansive. You, 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 yeah. you start to open your mind and talk to a spiritual uh, person. That's going to be a spiritual guide. Actually a lot of musicians, they follow gurus, they follow spiritual mm -hmm. guides. They, they, that, that is part of like mm -hmm. music, you know, go back to the Beatles. Yes. <laughs> you know, there's, yes. there's a lot of, there's a connection. I can I can show there's a connection. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. So thank, thank you again for being on the program. Very excited, happy that you were here. I want everybody to make sure they check out brightshininglight.com. And mm -hmm. um, thank you again for being on the program. Thank you. Thank you very much. Good night.